This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, everybody. This is uh, Jay Horowitz with the latest edition of Amazing Mental Love My Podcast. I'm proud to have my good friend, Terry Collins. Terry, what a great legacy you had, had with the Mets. Uh, managed more games in the Mets, over 1,100 games. You know, second wins with 550. And you know, I was really proud to be your friend for the seven years we were there. Can I take it back to June 1st, 2012? Um, Johansson Tannis pitching against the Cardinals. Um, had no hits through the middle of the game. Pitch count is getting kind of high. Do you remember what your thoughts were as the game was progressing? Well, obviously it was a, a, a tough, I mean, a great night for the Mets and, and certainly for Johan. But, you know, Jay, during the time I, I you know, knowing Johan had come off surgery the year before and was fighting back to get his arm in shape to resume his career, uh, I was very, very concerned about the number of pitches he was going to throw. So it, as the game went on and we and we built a little bit of a lead, my, you know, the one thought was somebody please get a hit because I could just see uh, as we got into the game that he was going to throw more pitches than I wanted him to throw in the game, but I just didn't feel like – I felt he deserved to be out there, and I, and I didn't feel like I could go and take him out. Did you go out to see him late in the game where you said, Dan, out there, I forget what the events were. Would you really just talk to him on the bench? Well, I just talked to him on the bench. In the seventh inning, I went down to him and I asked him how he was doing, and he said, I'm fine. Uh, he said, I feel good. Don't worry about it. And then when I came in in the eighth inning, when he came in the eighth inning, I walked down there and he said, trust me, I'm okay. Uh, and that's when I told him, I said, you know, you're my hero. And I went back out, went, just walked away from him and let him go back out there in the ninth. I, I remember in the press conference after the game and he, when he pitched the first hitter, you know, I was still the only one in Mets history. I mean, you could, I remember the anguish on your face, the dilemma you we're going back and forth, you know, and it was, even though it was a great night, it was a tough night for you personally, right? Oh, it was very tough. Again, as I told you, I, I, one of the things, Jay, that I, I knew how important Johan was, you know, to the ball club and, you know, the organization had put a lot of money in Johan and, you know, he had fought through some injuries, but he was such a competitive guy and such a great, a great teammate and a great player. You know, I, I just, as I sat there in the ninth inning, um, you know, I just wanted him to throw strikes and, and have him hit, hit the ball to somebody. Maybe we could catch it. And, um, you know, I, but when he got to, when he got that pitch count got up to about 125, I got pretty concerned that, Hey, look, I don't want to do any damage to this guy that, that's going to jeopardize his, his, his career any further. And, um, you know, as we look back now, he's satisfied with it. I've talked to him about it. And, and certainly it's, it was one of the great, great moments in Mets history. No, we're not quite. Okay, let's jump ahead to, to 2015, uh, right before the trading deadline. Um, you know, we were struggling hitting the ball. I mean, we're, you know, not many people thought that we would wind up in the World Series. You remember going back then, you know, what you before all the trades happened, you know, it was just a, we were really offensively tough to get things going back then, right? Yeah, you know, Jay, that's exactly right. We weren't we weren't swinging the bats very good, but we had that just that great young pitching staff 
that we ran out there. And that, that, you know, that even includes Bartolo, who wasn't young, but he was, you know, we were really pitching, pitching very, very well. And we knew that if we could, you know, get the offense going. And I will tell you what, I give Fred, Jeff, Saul, Sandy Alderson tremendous credit because they certainly did not have to go out and, and, and you know, gather the, the extra guys that, you know, end up really putting us over the top. But I salute them and I certainly thank them from the bottom of my heart for, you know, going out and saying, hey, look, you know, we think we're close enough. We can win this thing. And, you know, they went out and made some gigantic trades that certainly put us into the World Series. Yeah, you have, you know, Cespedes, Kelly Johnson, Tyler Clippard, Uribe, that made a difference in in the locker room. What do you mean about the weekend, you know, the, the Wilma Floros weekend, you know, that reports going around, he, he, Wilmer's crying on it, uh, on the field, nobody really knows what's going on, and then it, it just turned into a Wilma, Wilma Flores celebration that whole weekend. Well, yeah, it started out, obviously, uh, I might even have been on the Friday night when that all happened, Thursday or Friday night, I don't remember which day, but, you know, uh, during, the, during the, one of the innings, and I do not remember, Jay, if it was the seventh or eighth inning, but David Wright had been injured, and he came up to me in the dugout, and he said, hey, it's all over television that Wilmer Flores has been traded. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, it's on there that, that we have traded Wilmer Flores. And I said, well, I don't know anything about it. And David said, well, it's on TV that we've traded him. I said, Dave, turned around and I said, David, you see that phone right there in the dugout? I said, that phone goes right to Sandy Alderson. And if this Wilmer Flores has been traded, that phone would be ringing to tell me to take him out of the game. I said, until that phone rings, he's playing. Well, Wilmer was going on deck that night and on that inning and when he's on deck, fans are coming down, saying goodbye to him. Thanks for everything. We're going to miss you. Good luck in Milwaukee. I mean, all the things. And Wilmer's looking at the dugout, and I'm, I have no information at all that anything is going on. So he goes out in the, after the at bat, goes out that inning, and he begins to, you know, tears in, coming to his eyes on in the infield. And so uh, he came in after the inning, and I sat him down. I said, Wilmer, I know nothing about If you were traded, I would take you out of this game. I don't. I have not been, uh, you know, told that that you've been traded. You've got to you know, get a control of yourself and go out and finish the game. Well, he went back out the next inning, and that's when the phone rang and Sandy said, "You got to take him out. He's crying on the field." So uh, <laughs> yeah, when, I remember that. It, so anyway, it, when the game was over, we found out that the the trade did not go through, and and certainly when Wilmer hit that home run uh, and won the game for us two nights later, it turned out to be one of the great great celebrations that, that you know that yeah. I've been around. That's a what a what a great weekend, and that got us rolling to the pennant. So Terry, so we go into that yeah we, that year we win the pennant, and you know I know you've been in the game a long time, and never, I don't think I've ever seen you happier. After we swept the Cubs in Wrigley Field, we went to stands talking to the fans, embracing some fans. Harking back to that night, what what does that night bring to you? The day we swept the Cubs. Well, you know Jay, I've been in baseball since I was 21 years old, and and you know I. I I spent my whole life working and the ultimate goal was to ever be a, be part of a world series. And, you know, all of the, all of the bus rides in the minor leagues, all the winter balls, all the instructional leagues, all the things that, you know, go into a, a career of 40 at that time, 48 years, you know, was culminated by that sweep of the Cubs to finally put us in the world series. And, you know, that, that night that that happened, that would have been my mother and father's, I think their 59th wedding anniversary and they had both passed away at that time. And, and it, so it meant uh, an awful lot to me to, to certainly finally get to the world series and lead, you know, have my team in it and the way as well as we play, but 
you know, when you're in baseball, you want one you want one thing, and that's a chance to win a championship, and that was our chance. Yeah. Jerry, talk about the, the postseason. You know, I mean, you know, been a lot of guys shown in postseason, but nobody had a better postseason than Daniel Murphy that year. And we hit a home runs. We hit home runs off of the top pitches, you know, um, uh, Kershaw. And, I mean, it was remarkable what he did, the, the home run streak he had that year. I will tell you, Jay, I, I, in all the years, and I've watched a lot of baseball, I don't think I saw anybody have a better series than Dan Murphy had, certainly going in leading up into the World Series. It didn't matter who was on the mound. He took quality swings. And, you know, and I give Dan, Dan, Dan Murphy, can, he had always been a good hitter. But I give him credit. He changed a little bit of his style late in that year because of our hitting coaches, uh, Kevin Long and Pat Ressler, went to Dan and said, Dan, you know, your numbers when the, you hit the ball in the air are off the charts. And, but when you hit the ball on the ground, your numbers are down. So we've got, to, we've got to get you to start to hit the ball in the air. And, and due to the fact that Dan can handle a bat and, and, knows how to, and knows how to get the barrel of the bat to the baseball, he started to hit the ball in the air. And, and, you know, and it turned out to be, hey, he had power that nobody thought he had. And certainly when you're hitting home runs off Kershaw and Greinke and uh, Arietta and, and Lester, I'm out. it was just an amazing, amazing run for Daniel. Yeah. So the World Series doesn't work out for us, too. I mean, how much different would it make it if we, we lost, had the lead in the first game Lost in extra innings, that kind of switched the balance of power line right there. I just want to go talk about Game Five. You know, uh, eighth the eighth inning, um, um, we lead two nothing. Crowd is going crazy. Matt comes off. There's a little back and forth. He, he stays in. Didn't work out. But you know, you never backed off of your decision. You know, you felt the way what Matt had come back from. Did he deserve the chance to finish the game and? It's one thing I always admire about you. you. Never backed away from controversy. You were made of your convictions, and even after an interview, which what people don't know, the the toughest interview for a manager to do in any sport is we have to do an interview after your team is eliminated. And we were eliminated that night, but you didn't back away. You stood by your decision. You know, we said, you know, if I would have known what happened, you know, but, but you didn't back away. No excuses. You just said what you felt, and unfortunately, it didn't work out for us. I've been in the game a long time, long time, and you know, you you have a lot of conversations with players at different times. And, and in in 2015, obviously, we had some. I had lots of conversations with Matt during the season. There was a time in the beginning where you know we had decided as an organization we were starting to put innings limits on guys. You know, be it Degrom or Syndergaard or Harv or Matts or. You know, whoever it was, we were we were going to try to manage their innings so that at the end of the year they still had enough left if we got in the postseason. So, you know, we went through that time where Matt said, "No, I want to, you know, I don't want to live. I want to keep pitching. I, you know, I want to pitch as much." And then about, and I don't remember. You probably have the dates, but we had a, that series in Miami where all of a sudden, and I don't know. I'm sure there was Matt and his agent were, you know, and both involved in it. But they, they said, you know, Matt was only going to pitch 180 innings. Well, he was very, very close to that at the time and so again another conversation talked to Matt about you know the importance of you know hey look we're going to do the best we can to keep you healthy but gosh early in the year we tried to put together a plan to, to keep you you know make sure you you wouldn't exceed that and yet you hey I want to pitch and now you don't want to pitch it was a sent a bad message to the fans and to the ball club and then it was a game against the Yankees where we took Matt out after five innings and he came in the next day and he said you know what this is that is not me I want to pitch I want to pitch and I want to help this team win. And so at that time in game five, I thought about those, all those conversations 
Jay, to where, you know what, once in a while you got to trust your player. And you, by the way, you've got to give him something that he can reach for. He is, he's earned that opportunity. You know what? He was the guy who, who stepped up and said, give me the baseball. So I g- gave him that chance. And unfortunately, it didn't work out. But you know what? When it was all said and done, I thought I did the right thing for Matt Harvey. And, and certainly uh, hoping that he w- that would take him and, you know, blossom him into certainly one of the great pitchers I thought he could be. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about managing in New York. You know, seven years, you know, it, Tough mark you do, you know, spring training, you know, maybe, you know, 162 times two press conferences uh, and then another 40 during the spring. I mean, for me, as being a PR guy, you know, why the press loves you, it still loves you today. Your your honesty, you didn't BS him. You know, we always gave him the time. You know, you, you didn't give him yes or no answers. You know, you always have a story for the guys. I mean, was that something? I mean, you, you you've done your whole career, or I mean, it's you know, you manage in Houston, in California. No offense to the other cities, but as we could well tell, there's nothing like managing in New York. And to this day, the you know the, the guys, everybody says you know Terry was the best. Terry was the best. I mean, was it something he was ingrained in you? You know, to understand these guys had a job to do too. Well, I certainly I, I was taught a long time ago uh, that you know what? Hey, look, when you talk to the writers. Don't ever lie to them. Don't ever lie to them and respect their job. You don't have to like the reporter personally, but you have to respect their job and their responsibility, and that is to report what's going on. And I, I said, I mean, Jim Leland taught me many, many years ago when I was, you know, co- coaching for Jim in Pittsburgh. You know, you treat every reporter as if he's the sports editor of the New York Times, maybe the most widely read newspaper in the world. You know, you treat him with respect. You answer their questions. You give them the time that's necessary. So I try to do that. And I will tell you, Jay, and I know you're on the end of the end of this phone. If Jay Horowitz would not have been there the day I got the job with the, with the New York Mets, I probably wouldn't have done that good a job because you told me, you taught me about the market in New York, and you gave me one of the greatest tips I've ever had. And I have handed this tip out to every young manager coming along, and that is you get to know the media, get to know their names, get to know who they are, the kind of people they are. And I will tell you that made a huge help. That helped me immensely in my time in yeah. New York City. And I've always said, you know what? It's They're just doing their jobs. And so they need, you know, once in a while, they need to hear the truth. You know what? You know, and I don't think you should hide things from the media because when it comes back and they find out, you know, something that happened, it, you know, it, it just makes, I thought it would make me. And I worked hard to try to build credibility in New York. And, and you know, if it, it it worked out in the end. They treated me very fairly at the end. You know, they're always going to be criticized for decisions. But, you know, I just thought that, you know, when I left New York, I, I didn't have to ever look back and apologize for, you know, not saying the right thing. And I think because of you in the early years, we didn't, when we weren't winning, you know, the press, we, we didn't get that bad of a press because of your relationship with the media. There's no doubt about it. You know, one crazy thing, Terry, it happened after you managed uh, a, a video surfaced probably some of the 2018 show you getting in an argument with, with some of the umpires when Noah got kicked out of the, the game after, you know, he hit Utley after the, you know, the, the hot incident. I think more than anything that ingratiated your, your, the fans, you know, worshiped you. I mean, your legacy was cemented. What, what, even all the games you won with that video, because the fans could see the passion that you, you know, approach each game. I mean, that was a pretty crazy video, huh? <laughs> he was pretty crazy, all right. <laughs> he was pretty crazy. That's a fact. And 
you know, to this day, I'm still waiting for Major League Baseball to call me and apologize for that. How that got leaked out, I don't have any yeah. idea. But yeah, I've got I had great passion. You know, Jay, I ever since I've ever been in sports my whole life. You know, I'm I was not never the biggest, strongest guy. So I, I I played with a lot of intensity and I managed with a lot of intensity. And you know, I love my players. You know, I have a lot of players that I you know to this day keep in contact with. I have some of them that. You know, didn't have the best relationship, but that didn't change the fact that I I respected their abilities and what how they went about things. And I always I was told many years ago by the great Walt Alston that players will take on the personality of the manager during you know over a period of time. And I wanted my players to hey look I wanted them to care about the game. You know we look back and at all our careers and you're the perfect example of it. Here 38 or 39 or 40 years with the Mets. You know in, in the PR department. You know what? Because you respect the game of baseball. If if baseball wasn't around, we wouldn't have had those kind of careers. And I always thought you got to yeah. give it back. You got to give back to the the game itself, some passion, some intensity, uh, and show them how much you love it. And so, yeah, that 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 sneaked out. And <laughs> I, I'll tell you, hey. I've gotten better reviews from that than, than I had at any time. Hey, okay, one play I wanted to touch on. You know, I had a really close relationship, and uh, officially it was. Uh, Two years ago this month, David Wright played his last game uh, with the Mets. And one of the uh, high points of the World Series was, was his home run that he hit at, at City Field. What, you know, what, you were especially close. And what did you mean? Like, all the, the, the anguish David had to get to fight back. You're always in his corner and encouraging him. I mean, we finally made it back. Talk about your relationship with David. Well, you know, when I the first day I ever met David Wright, Jay, I had just taken I had taken the job with the Mets, and I had come to Florida uh, to get ready for spring training. And David, I was in a restaurant, and David Wright walked in and came over and introduced himself and sat down and talked for a while. And I thought, wow, you know, what a classy guy to come over to just to take the time to come over and say hi. I had, you know, I I had seen him on, you know, out on the field. On when you're on the other side of the field, on the other side, you know, as, as an opposer, opposing player or, or coach, but I never got to know him. And when you get to know this guy and find out he is one of the finest, you know, people you'll ever meet, the most polite, fan friendly, respects the fans, respects his his own teammates. It, you know, he he truly was one of the great leaders I've ever been around. And yeah, at the end when he got hurt, you know, Jay. People don't realize this, but, you know, he played for about 30 days with this injury and never said a word, didn't go in the training room, didn't complain, and played good, played very well. And and finally, the, the discomfort in his neck finally got to the point he couldn't understand why it wasn't going away and finally walked in the training room and said, hey, look, I've had a stiff neck for three weeks. And finally, they, they, they discovered he had the injury, and, and obviously it, it led to you know, some really tough times for David Wright, but I will tell you, he never missed a beat. He he was one of those guys that made every doctor's appointment. He was on the field every day doing the exercises. To this day, to this day, he does back exercises to keep his him, himself in good shape. And, you know, I respect him so much as a player and as a human being. And, uh, you know, I will tell you, he's got to go down. And had he not got, had he not been injured, he would have been, he'd been, destined to the Hall of Fame. He's one of the great players that the game yeah. has ever had. Hey, Terry, I, I just want to appreciate the time. More than anything, I appreciate our friendship, and um, thank you. And it was, it was an honor for me to work with you all these years, and uh, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Well, let's uh, let's just hope that we can we can clear this you know, world up and we can get together, Jay. And uh, yeah. I had a great time, and without you, I, I'd have never made it in New York. So thanks so much for all your everything you did. My pleasure, Terry.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. 